everybody. Welcome to Draft Chat. This is episode number 145. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts and joining me as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Oh, man. Uh, this is the most excited about magic I've been in a very long time. I guess just the uh, the madness of one kind of brought us down, but we are back, dude. <laughs> this is this is going to oh, yeah. be a good one. Oh, yeah. Before we get into all the goodness we have for you this week, of course, our usual housekeeping. Check out the Discord if you're not already in it. It's the best place to be to chat with us, chat with the aficionados. We, the Spoiler Season channel has been popping off, as we're going to talk about a little bit later in this episode. Stop by. Come say hi. We'd love to have you there. The link to that is in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. If you're interested in joining the Patreon, you'll get access to perks like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero signed by us and sent right to you, which currently is Chimney Rabble. So got that to look forward to. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right. On to our cracker draft type thing this week. We've got some sir drafting. It looks like. Yes, sir. We do. We've got some shadows remastered here and man, I love this set. It's been so much fun. Just shocking. (laughs) Yeah. Ben loves the Innistrad set. Big big surprise, but I've missed these cards and it's been good to see him again. It's like seeing an old friend that you haven't seen in, in honestly, I haven't seen this card since uh, what five years ago when was shadows like 2018 yeah thereabouts so a draft uh that i that i played recently i had a really tough pick so this was a pack one pick four my first three picks my first pick was an incendiary flow really great removal spell it's in the draft shop cube uh it's a sorcery which makes it a little worse than the usual lightning strike effect but it does exile things so that's especially useful in an astrob then i took a fiery temper which is another deal three with madness uh, and then I took a galvanic barbar. Let me try that one again. And then I took a galvanic bombardment, which another good little shock that gets better and can even be a bolt. So I've just got a nice suite of red burn here. And uh, in this pack, the red burn continues to flow. So let's run through this pack real quick. There's a truth face sensor. Nothing really good. There's some playable equipment in this set, but it's really in the uncommon slot. You're going to find most of that. There's an explosive apparatus, uh, especially with the creature type terror, as they called it, with that cycle in the uh, the draft set. Delirium really wasn't at its strongest. So you would only really play this if you were desperate to get Delirium or if you were desperate for removal spells. And the, the way my drafts have been going, I haven't really been super needing for each. Oh, man, this next one is a, is a big hitter. There's an Epitaph Golem. That's the five out of three five. You can pay two mana to put a card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. Now, you might think, well, what good is that? I mean, <laughs> do you care about putting stuff back? Uh, here's the thing. In Innistrad, your graveyard matters. If you can find a way to dump all of your library into your graveyard, for example, the uh, crawling sensation, I think it's called, three mana, you can mill to every upkeep and you get a token uh, if you mill a land. If you can mill your entire library into your graveyard and then land one of these things, and then, for example, say, have a... Uh, grapple at the past is that what it's called in your graveyard well then you could just put grapple into your library again and then if they ever kill the epitaph golem you can just get it back with grapple and then put the grapple back again <laughs> and you can do this forever and if you have enough mana you can start putting other stuff back in your library too maybe enough uh, cards as well as a draw spell so you get to use multiple of them each turn or a couple lands for your crawling sensation so you can start making more tokens. Or maybe you just loop a kill spell over and over and over again for the rest of the game. Um, like There's a murder, there's a six mana card that uh, destroys a creature and drains them for two. That's a good one to loop. Uh, Epitaph Golem 
it's fantastic in this specific deck. I had an opponent that looped probably for like seven or eight turns. They got huge amounts of value. Uh, unfortunately for them, they were at two life and I top decked a fiery temper. So uh, I, I almost thought about scooping, <laughs> but thankfully I didn't. It's a lesson in playing to your outs, folks. Next up, we've got an obsessive skinner. This one's downshifted from uncommon to common. It's a strong card. It's a, a grizzly bear, kind of. It, it's a one mana, or it's a two mana one one. It puts a counter on something. But if you have delirium, it puts another counter on stuff at your uh, at your upkeep. It's good. Oh, man, I can't read that. <sighs> the scryfall. Because someone would totally point that out. Duh. It puts a counter on something else if you have delirium at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep. So if this is two mana for two or three or four or five power over the course of a longer game, then yeah, it's good. But maybe it's not the best like beat down aggro card. We've got an insolent neonate. Here's a card on our colors. This one's good. One mana, one, one menace. And you can uh, uh, sack it, discard a card, draw a card. Pairs really well with madness. Pairs really well with the fiery temper we have already. But the next card, another incendiary flow. Hard to not take a second one of these. Uh, our last couple comments here, Geese's Bidding and a Devilthorn Fox. Both good. Geese's Bidding is, is a strong one. Uh, you can pay two black black for two zombies or uh, Madness it for one or two and a black. So pairs really well with the two mana discard outlets. Um, the the Oathsworn and the I think the Ravenous Vampire, it's called something like that. The common ones, at least. So the Devilthorn Fox, again, just a two mana three one. You're not taking that over the red cards here. Huh. So, so far, what are you looking at? It's pretty clear in my opinion. Yeah, I think you just take the second incendiary flow and move on with your life. There's potentially an argument to be made for taking the insolent neonate over the incendiary flow, but uh, the deck you have right now is so burn heavy that like I want to take every card that says deal X damage to any target and then hope to find a thermo alchemist and just oh, yeah. red burn them out. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the ideal dream. Now, our uncommons here are going to do a good job of, of maybe swaying us off this. We've got Ride Down. That's the red-white instant destroying a blocking creature. And uh, the creature that was uh, being blocked by it gains Trample. So uh, basically, it kind of just deletes a blocker and then has the damage go through. Very easy to, you know, blow out a chump block with this or give your opponent surprise lethal out of nowhere or really just blow out a double block. I mean... It does everything you want, and it negates the downside of those white cards that say, like, uh, destroy an attacking or blocking creature because then your damage doesn't get through, but this one it does. Yeah, that's a pretty sick card. Definitely one we're keeping our eyes on here, and it, it still plays into that, like, red, sort of red-white, red-burn deck if we do want to go with the Thermal Alchemist route and end up finding that, so. There's also a Stromkirk Captain. Again, you won't see this one anymore if you continue playing Shadows because this was part of the, uh, the the creature type sheet that is now gone, replaced by the flashback for the next week and other stuff later. Uh, this was the Vampire Lord. One black red, it's a first striker, it's a 2-2, two, two, and it gives your vampires plus one, plus one in first strike. Really, really strong. Yeah, that's another one that's a very clear signpost card. Like, this is something that you're going to be using to kind of shape the rest of your draft. Doesn't play exceptionally well with anything we have now, but it doesn't play poorly with anything we have now either. So, uh, totally fine to pick up here. I, yeah, that's tough. I think I'd take the captain over the ride down, to be honest with you, but uh, I think there's there's more potential for the, the vector to be stronger in that direction if we take the captain. I've got one more tempting one here. I've got a town gossip monger. That's the one mana one one. It's a human. But if you tap it and another creature you control, it flips into a two three that attacks each turn if able, and you can pay two mana to give it two zero until end of turn. That's a really strong one drop. 
Yeah, definitely a, a, a strong one drop. I think I'd probably still take the captain over it because captain plays a little bit better with the cards we have. And uh, Gossamonger has a very specific vector that you're looking to put that in. Now, there is a rare in this pack, but it's not one we're super interested in. It's an Altered Ego. It's two green-blue for a 0-0 shapeshifter. Uh, you can also pay X as you're casting it uh, as part of its casting cost. Uh, it comes in as a clone of something on the field. It could be you or your opponent, but you can pay X and it comes in with X-1-1 counters on it. So not just an Ego, but an altered version of it. It can be even bigger than the thing you, uh, you're trying to copy. A strong card, but um, to be honest, I found this to have the same issue that reanimator cards had in the first iteration the first week of this which was that there aren't actually that many creatures that are really super high impact besides a handful of like the bomb rares and mythics um uh, like if you copy like an archangel avison or something with this then like woohoo you did it but uh that, for the most part blue green is a little more clue focused and you'll pick this up but it's not enough to get me to swap off of this strong red aggro start what's your pick out of this yeah this is tough for me it's between captain and incendiary flow I think I'm probably still just going to take the incendiary flow and try to stick to this mono red thing for as long as I can. Try to stay open, see what we open in pack two, maybe grab a rare that's going to be a better rare for the, the vector direction than than the captain is an uncommon. Um, but that's close. It's really close. I couldn't fault you for taking the captain here either. Mm-hmm. Especially because most of the best red cards uh, common are vampires anyway, right? Right. Uh, I did yeah. actually end up taking incendiary flow here and I ended up having a pretty sick spells deck with it. All right. On to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low for the past week. So, Ben, what's up? I'm honestly pretty excited to hear about your Teferi, but I guess it can wait. <laughs> so, uh, you know how my Tibble is usually that I don't get enough sleep? Yeah. So, finally... I have started becoming very intentional about it. I've, uh, I've, I've asked my girlfriend to like text me at 10 PM and be like, screw you go to sleep, (laughs) like to, to get mean about it. And that's, that's kind of helped. Uh, but I mostly just set reminders for myself and like, uh, tried to be a little better with time management throughout the day to make sure that uh, I'm not doing something vital, like planning for school at, at that time, uh, or working on show notes. I would never do that the night before at 10 PM. That's not my nature. So, um, no, that's usually something you do at like two hours before we record the show. <laughs> two hours. <laughs> you think it takes me that long? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, long story short, I've been, I've been actually feeling a bit better and like waking up and feeling energized at school and, you know, just feeling better about myself overall. Uh, and that, that's, that's nice. And that'll play right into my spring break next week. My school, uh, is taken off. So that'll be nice. Um, not really doing anything for it, but probably gonna be drafting a lot of shadows, uh, because shadows is great. Uh, my Tibble, the ants are back. A couple ants here and there. We've been winning the war against them, but it looks like they're going for the real long game plan. They're, they're sending some, some sleeper agents to hang out. Besides that, pretty good week. The weather's getting warmer. And if ants are the price we have to pay, then so be it. Nice. Glad to hear that your sleep's getting back on track. That's that's really awesome. I've been trying to be more intentional about mine as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it on the show a little while ago that I've I've been having trouble like sleeping through the night. Like I'm getting to bed at a reasonable time, but I, I'm waking up like two, three times a night and that's not fun. But uh, mm-hmm. I know this has been a longstanding problem for you, so I'm, I'm glad that you're getting it on track. Thanks. My tibble this week is that I haven't actually drafted Sir yet outside of the, the uh, live draft that we did last week. So... Man. I know, I know I'm missing out. Man. I got to get to it. I've been super busy, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's on my to-do list. I'm definitely going to try to get some of that done this weekend. Uh, I have good news for you. That blue black deck that we drafted last week is by and far the worst 
deck that I have touched in shadows <laughs> by I, by a long shot. Is that good news? I think that just means that I was involved and it didn't work out well. I'm not involved. <laughs> You're drafting great. Look, here's the thing. I should have just stuck to my guns and, and thought back to those original cards uh, and like what was best back then. And honestly, I still think we handled the draft pretty well. I feel like our live drafts, it's, it's been a while since we've gotten a real busted one. I think we're overdue for that. I mean, it seems like everything in, in mom is busted. So maybe that'll happen then. To be fair, most of our live drafts lately in this, we do this by design. So, you know, it's fine. But our live drafts are almost always the first draft of the format that we do. So mm. <laughs> it's, oh, that's uh, true. usually going to be more of a mess than than the future ones will be. If we were to live draft now, I could trophy with it. Easy. Sure. <laughs> um, my Teferi this week is that I saw John Wick 4 in theaters, which is the first movie I've seen in theaters in months. Like, it's been a long time since I've been to a movie theater. And yeah. John Wick 4 just felt like one I had to get out to see. And uh, it was exceptional. Really good movie. Good to know. I have been kind of putting off seeing it. I almost saw it last weekend. Uh, I'm a fan of the John Wick stuff. Keanu, bless his heart. <laughs> what a, what a, what a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, really, really going all out action stars here. I'm, I'm, I'm in oh, yeah. for it. I love a good John Wick movie. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, this may be, if I may be so bold, this may be the best of the series. Whoa, and uh, really? I think critics tend to agree because opening weekend, it had 96 critics 96% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes and it had like 96 hmm. or 97 from like normal people um <laughs> critics are definitely so, not normal people you got that right right so um pretty awesome it is about 3 hours long and it is almost entirely action sequences there's like maybe one oh, or two man. scenes in the whole film that are not action so uh <laughs> be ready um it's 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 a lot but uh it's definitely worth the 3 hours that sounds awesome uh, I, I saw something saying that, that I think it was a tweet, maybe uh, that the John Wick series really they, they really leaned in super hard to the, the the concept of like, oh, you just carjacked a vampire. Like you just carjacked Dracula or something like you're so screwed, dude. Like you don't even know how gone you are. And the fact that they lean so far into this campy premise is is kind of what gives it its earnest fun you know yeah yeah it's it's great i i I, and i binged the rest of the series again like the same weekend and uh i yeah i think they they do a phenomenal job there are some really cool from a film perspective just cinematography there are Mm. some really cool scenes that they did to kind of make things different because one of the things going into this movie that i was thinking was like how 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 innovative can you be with like people fighting and you know just a bunch of gunshots like it's Mm -hmm. they're largely the same thing but um they got they got pretty creative with some of the shots they did in this film so definitely curious to to hear your thoughts on it once you see it while we're on the topic today a trailer dropped for the new wes anderson movie called asteroid city it looks amazing it is the usual cast of Wes Anderson offenders. It's got Tilda Swinton. It, it's got like all, all those usual Brian Cranston's in this one. Adrian Brody, the whole gang is back. Uh, I think Scarlett Johansson's in this one too. And, and then like Willem Dafoe and, and uh, Jeff Goldblum and all, all those usual ones that work with Wes. Uh, but it's like Western themed, but also like space themed, but also a little bit of Americana. It, it looks like they took a postcard from Arizona in the 1950s at the peak of alien hype and just like turned it into a movie it looks incredible uh also ari aster's new movie uh he described it as a similar saga to lord of the rings except about a jewish guy trying to go to his mom's house and it's like a, <laughs> an epic like three-hour tale of surrealist nightmare 
but also beauty. It, it, it looks nuts. I'm super excited for that too. Interesting. Well, I guess that almost sort of segues into our listener question of the week. And our question comes from Ratafia this week in the discord. If you want to submit questions for the listener question of the week, you can do so in the discord, check out the listener questions channel. But Ratafia asks, is there a particular favorite story beat you guys have? Hmm. Great question. I've been keeping up with the story for, for quite a while. And I think some of the, the older ones, uh, that really stick in my memory. The one that's always going to stick the most is the Git Rock. I think the Git Rock story holds up exceptionally well. It's the only one I've ever gone back and reread. <laughs> uh, when it, I think it came, when they announced like the new one, I, I went back and I was like, how about that Git Rock? It was pretty cool, right? How about you? Anything come right to mind? Yeah, I think for, for some reason, and this is maybe not, this isn't, this is actually the antithesis of this question, but uh, <laughs> the War of the Sparks story sticks out to me because it, it was, it was really bad. Unfortunately, it was really bad. Um, and it was right when they were, it was, it was the same time where they were, they stopped putting out the free stories on like as articles right? and they were starting to publish them in like paid media, like books and things like that. And I think books are great. I'm, I'm a huge avid reader, but the, the book they wrote for War of the Spark and nothing against the author, but it was not good. It was, it was very, it felt very dumbed down. It felt very loosely put together. It just didn't feel like there was a whole lot of energy that went into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that so that sticks into my mind in particular. I guess it's not a specific story beat, but that that's a, like a, an era of magic story that I I'm not a big fan of. Mm. Another favorite that comes to my mind uh, is what they've done with the Wanderer recently. Uh, I thought mm. they've utilized her story wise in a really cool way. I mean, just the fact that she's so unique in that she's blinking in and out of existence, but is somehow always right where you need her, where you want her. Uh, it's not like a like a deus ex machina or anything, because she's still just a planeswalker, uh, even if her six mana form and four mana form are both really, really strong. Um, well, the right four mana one, not the old uncommon. That one's just OK. But either way, I, I feel like... Uh, seeing the wanderer come back at like just the right time to, to flash into Neo and save the, save the day by like expertly blocking samurai style. That stuff's great. I love that. And especially seeing it represented really cool in the like anime trailer that we got as well. Um, I thought that that tie in was really good. So that in conjunction with the fact that they put just an extra amount of love into the, the animation for it, uh, that, that I was a pretty big fan of. Yeah, I'll also add, um, Wander is probably my favorite Planeswalker these days. And the story for where the Wanderer came into play in the, the side story with um, Teferi for one was really cool. I, I don't know if you got to mm. read that one, but it was, it was really cool. She was like imprisoned in Amber uh, mm. and Teferi happened to like show up and, and um, kind of release her. And she was like, oh, crap, we got to go do things and uh, phases out. But um mm. The other one that that came to mind was the and again this I think is because it's a big ironically I think this was this was actually War of the Spark as well but it was the first time they started doing these really cool like well produced highly uh, story driven oh, trailers yeah. was the War of the Spark one with Lily and and you know that whole thing it was <laughs> and they had yeah. uh, that was one of the first ones too where they brought in like a band to do a good cover for the the music oh for the, right the trailer it was that. so good. Yeah. Um, uh, Dak dying <laughs> off to the side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it counts as a story beat, but the gingerbread one <laughs> that was, that was funny. great too. Yeah. All frankly, all the trailers they've done since they started doing them have been quite good. Yeah. They're very I memorable. Really think of any that stand out as being bad. 
And uh, I got to say my most recent favorite story beat of these past particular few stories, uh, I called it the Elspeth from the top ropes moment. And we've all seen the card by this point. We know it's happening, but Archangel Elspeth absolutely gets her moment to shine. Uh, Really well portrayed in the story and in the trailer too. All right. On to our main topic this week. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, but first up, Shadows of Innistrad or Shadows Remastered as it's called. Pretty great format. I mean, it's got all the beaters. It's got all the bangers. Like I said, I haven't gotten to draft it much, so I'll let you do most of the talking here, but all of our favorite cards are back. Yeah, it feels good. Um, Shadows, I've got a, a good yeah for because Shadows like just, yeah, this stuff's great. Uh, first of all, if you're listening on release day, the arena open is tomorrow. It's Saturday, April 1st. Ooh, oh, <laughs> are they going to prank us with this somehow? Is it going to be or like, a, is it? It's like an, uh, you sign up and you open like six unfitted packs or something like that. That would be hilarious. Well, the arena open is tomorrow and hopefully our prize winnings aren't an April Fool's joke. Uh, basically, it's going to be the usual stuff. Shadows of Innistrad. Something you got to know is that it's going to be the flashback set of, of uh, cards in it. Unfortunately, I've got a really busy day on Saturday, but I'm absolutely going to try to day two. I mean, if, if there's a set where I've ever wanted to do it, it's this one. But this format's awesome. Uh, there's this weekly rotating bonus sheet and we have it for about a month total, except for that month, each roughly week, uh, they're rotating in and out a small selection of cards. Most of them are staying the same. A lot of the rares, mythics, flip cards even, all staying the same. But there's this bonus sheet of cards that are coming in and out each week. The first one was focused on creature types. Uh, right now, we're focused on flashback stuff. The next one, I believe we're focused on uh, graveyard, uh, mor- morbid and macabre. So it looked like uh, death triggers, stuff happening from the graveyard. And finally, uh, it's called Abominable All-Stars. We've got stuff like Tragic Slip, uh, Garrick Relentless, Fiend Hunter, uh, Grizzlebrand, Zealous Conscripts, and for some reason, uh, Mist Raven, <laughs> four mana, two, two flyer, mana war. <laughs> Which, that, that is an all-star in itself, right? So uh, very excited to see just a, a fresh format every week. I mean, th- this is exactly what we needed right now. To be honest, I've been playing a lot more other games instead of one drafting. Uh, but this has got me right back. Wait, Huntmaster of the Fells? When was that? Was that in this? Hold on. I got to see when that one's coming. Never mind. It's coming in the last week. That makes sense. It is absolutely an all-star. So we thought we'd give you a quick format overview of this set. Some of our favorite things to do so far. Um, clues. Clues are awesome. Clues are great. Love clues. Uh, it's good for smoothing out your draws, filling in unused gaps in your mana. Thraven Inspector, for example. One mana, one, two. ETB make a clue. The quintessential clue card. And just the fact that it makes a body and then also replaces itself. The fact that makes it so good is that it replaces itself anytime you want. It's not a three mana one, two that ETBs to draw a card. It's making this extra permanent that sometimes maybe another card cares about sacrificing things. Clues really glue the format together if you're playing these like mid-rangey decks. So these tend to be green, white, and blue. All of the build-arounds are great. There's uh, Uvenwald Mysteries is the best of them, in my opinion. Three mana. Uh, whenever a creature you control dies, you investigate. You make a clue. And then whenever you sacrifice a clue, you make a 1-1 token. Just a really powerful engine that some decks just can't beat. Decks that are trying to do ground stuff. Uh, for example, I was playing a mono green deck, actually, uh, that was up against a green-white deck. Now, they had a copy of Ulvenwall Mysteries. I was also playing a Clues thing, but I didn't. There was no way I could beat them. They just were accruing too much value. Their trades let them draw a card. <laughs> like They functionally had an emblem that said, whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card and make a 1-1. How do you beat that? Uh, so Ulvenwall Mysteries and then pairing them with the other uh, good clue build-arounds, like the Mole, 
the two four that whenever you sack a clue, you gain three life, and the mill one. Uh, it's two and a blue. Whenever you sacrifice a clue, target player mills three. And this format's so sweet that sometimes it's correct to target yourself. Yeah, there's a lot of graveyard synergies in this format too. So different ways to get things back from the graveyard, different ways to interact with, you know, and especially now that we're going into the cycle for flashback cards, you're going to have a lot of ways to get stuff back from the graveyard that way too. So I actually had an Ovenwald Dryad, I believe it's called. It's a one mana, one, one death toucher. Uh, and I wanted to turn on Delirium. So I milled myself and turned on Delirium. Good stuff to do. Delirium, by the way, is a pretty solid vector, but it cares about having four card types in your graveyard. For example, you could get a land, an artifact, a creature, and an instant in there. Some are easier to get than others. Enchantments and artifacts tend to be the harder ones. Uh, instants and sorceries nat- naturally will go there, uh, as well as creatures, but you're a little less happy about that. And lands are a little trickier to get in there too. So stuff like evolving wilds effects or things that have you sack a permanent there are ways to rummage uh, tend to go up if you're trying to do a delirium thing. Delirium I haven't found to be quite as good, but maybe with flashback it'll be better. Yeah, unfortunately, the the madness vector, which is another one that's really great, doesn't pair so well with delirium because most of the cards in the madness vector don't really care about delirium. But that is another way to get cards in your graveyard is to just discard cards. Uh, but madness in this in this format's really good. Uh, pretty much all of red, like you can kind of just build red madness and supplement it with any color you want. There are some black madness cards too, but um, yeah, if you can discard your cards, sack your cards rather. Um, you can discard your cards and get extra value by casting them instead for for even less mana. Uh, you can imagine there's a lot of value to be had there. Mm-hmm. This also lets you break timing restrictions in fun ways. So, for example, if you can madness out that three mana four one vampire for just one in a red instead, you can do that on your opponent's end step, and you could do this with this with like a lightning axe or something, right? Where you deal five to one of their things, and then you're functionally flashing in a four one, but that's for three mana. If you build your nice tight vector around this madness vector, uh, you can have some really crazy decks. Now, there's still tribes. There's still these creature types that matter, although the creature type bonus sheet is gone. So you're going to see fewer payoffs for doing it. Uh, That being said, like blue, white spirits, red, green werewolves, they they tend to still play pretty well together. Um, Although I will say, (laughs) I think green, white has now gotten an even better thing for its creature type, which is travel preparations. Travel prep is... One of the most busted limited cards ever, in my opinion. It's one of the green. You can put uh, two counters on up to two creatures. So you just place two counters any way you want. Except it also has flashback for one and a white. Uh, and then you just do it again. So this is four mana for four counters distributed any way you want. It's really, really strong. Plus the ability that you can self-mill it into your graveyard or discard it for value or uh, just cast it early and then maybe I've actually splashed it. You draw your white source later and then you just get to do it all again. Uh, This makes blocking a nightmare for your opponent. So right now, 17 lands has green and white performing really well, uh, which makes sense. I mean, humans were pretty strong. uh, So we see those also getting good benefits from clues along with flyers and What's been a pretty mid-rangey format where clues and drawing cards and flyers tend to be good keys to success. And then again, the format did just change. So uh, I like that this keeps us on our toes. You can't get too entrenched in your 17 lands data uh, to you know not be able to adapt on the fly. I, I, I don't think they're resetting on 17 lands for each week either. So honestly, I don't think that data is going to help us out for the long run. Uh, maybe just kind of lean back on your, your draft knowledge. Now, I've only gotten to play this new one a handful of times because, you know, it just started. But uh, I did have a pretty sweet blue-red spells deck. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, from you, that's uh, it's a bit of a surprise. Love myself some blue-red spells. And Thermal Alchemist is in the format, so it's definitely there. 
Yeah, this is a good Thermo Alchemist deck. I got to use Faithless Looting and Silent Departure, which is a, a bounce spell with flashback. Faithless Looting being the rummaging or drawing spell with flashback. Uh, made for a really strong tempo deck. Uh, and then I also had an Amzad deck that had Lingering Souls and three copies of Travel Prep, which was really, really strong. Uh, travel Prep is a common. You got to take those things really highly. And last but not least, I wanted to shout out my favorite deck of the format so far, Honestly, one of my favorite draft decks of all time, uh, John Finkel's Black Green Seasons Past. And Zach can take a look at the at the list here. It's pretty close, right? It is pretty close. So if, you, if you're if you listening and you don't know what Ben's referencing, way back when in Shadows of Renistrad Standard, um, John Finkel did really, really well in the Pro Tour with this awesome green-black control deck using Seasons Past um, to recur cards out of his graveyard it had a bunch of languishes and tons of ways to, to just like wipe the board, kill your opponent's stuff. Uh, Grasp of Darkness was another one. And it was just a beautiful control deck. I played it in standard. I was one of my favorite decks. Ben took it and made like a different sort of Ben version of it. That's white green. That was uh, also really cool. <laughs> I turned it into um, a human's deck. <laughs> yeah, but I played the the original like black green deck. But yeah, Ben, it looks like you drafted exactly that here. I mean, it minus was. languages, I suppose, but yeah. <laughs> you take what you can get, right? So uh, Seasons Past was, I don't know, it's a six mana sorcery. You return up to one of each mana value of cards in your graveyard to your hand. So you can get back a zero drop, like a land, and then a one drop, a two drop, a three drop, a four drop, a five drop, and so on. But then the key is that Seasons Past goes to the bottom of your library. Well, if you could somehow have a repeatable tutor, I don't know, like uh, Dark Petition. It was the sorcery that did it for John Finkel's deck. Then you can just get back the tutor and then loop it and just cast as many things as you can each turn. That was playing like Nissa's Renewal as well. So you were getting extra lands each turn and gaining life. It was a gross deck. Uh, I had to do it the old fashioned way. Nissa. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I had to play with Tamiyo's Journal, which I actually am pretty used to. It's how I did it in my green white deck. Uh, Tamiyo's journal says investigate on your upkeep. You get a clue every turn. You can sack three clues to go get any card you want to tutor. Now, I had three copies of Briarbridge Patrol. This card got downshifted from uncommon to common. This is a very strong card. Four mana, three, three. Whenever it deals combat damage to uh, a creature, you investigate. You get a clue. And then the second part that doesn't happen that often, if you sack three clues this turn, you can put a creature from your hand onto your onto the battlefield. Uh, I actually did get to trigger it. I got to put another Briarbridge tracker in play after I sacked three clues. Uh, so basically, if you combine these with fight spells and bite spells, these give you clues. So that turns Rabid Bite uh, into a you know a bite spell that gives you a clue, or Clear Shot into a better bite spell that gives you a clue. So basically, every turn with Seasons Pass, I would get back a Dead Weight, an aura that gives minus two, minus two, a Rabid Bite, uh, a bite spell that, if using Briarbridge Patrol, would give uh, a, a clue, and then a Clear Shot which using Briarbridge Patrol would give a clue. So I was tutoring for Seasons Past about every turn or every other turn, and then just using all the fight and bite spells with my Briarbridge Patrols. One of the sickest decks I've ever had, it had a new one Wild Mysteries in there too. It had a Grim Flare in it, because why not at that point? Uh, maybe my favorite, like easily cracking the top five limited decks I've ever played. This was a very easy trophy. Nicely done. Speaking of trophies, how's your record looking for this format? Ooh, uh, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. I'm very excited for this open. Uh, currently in, in best of three, 
Uh, I am 37 and 17. That's about a 69% win rate. And match wins, I'm nice. 20 and 6. That that's uh about a 77% match win rate. Uh if you see me, if you if you're playing against me in the open, all I'm gonna say is uh Good luck. I'm having fun in this format. <laughs> well, hey, you got a day two to get to that draft portion. You're going to be playing sealed in the first day. So that's true. That's true. I wonder what the sealed format like this will be. Maybe I'll have to do some practice ones. Well, yeah. And hopefully the draft sims will let you do the uh, have the proper weeks um, bonus sheet in there. Mm, yeah, that's true. I will say if you do this open, uh, there's a lot of options. I, I have trophy with a blue red deck, a blue green deck, a red white deck, a black deck. Like you, you can do anything if you apply a little bit of vector theory and uh, maybe opens uh, like an angel or two. You should be fine. Good luck to everyone playing in the open. Show us your your sealed pools. All right, on to a less exciting format. All will be one. We've both given this pretty much a meh rating. Uh, smack in the middle. I mean, it was it was fine for a few weeks. Definitely not the worst format we've ever had. More or less just got boring like it, it's not bad to play and it's around if it was the only draft format that was around i would play it but like mm-hmm. uh we're gonna kind of leave some of you are astute long-term listeners might recognize we haven't done a flavor town episode for this uh this set yet and next week is our sunset show so we won't be doing a proper flavor town instead we're going to kind of wrap it into our march of the machine flavor town because uh the flavor for this set was basically phyrexians <laughs> <laughs> yeah and don't worry we'll still shout out good arts and, and our favorite flavor texts and yeah. all that but uh we, we like to dedicate a good amount of it to the lore uh, and like story discussions and i think in in uh in interest of, of keeping everyone on the same track and maybe letting those that want to catch up catch up and, and get stuff spoiler free i think it'll be cool to have like one big uh, ultimate story wrap up after well, all this stuff has happened. So that kind of brings us to the next section of the show we want to talk about, which is March the Machine. However, Ben and I got a little carried away in what was supposed to be the pre-show for this episode, and we ended up recording about a half hour worth of content just of us kind of nerding out over the spoilers. So we're just going to drop that in here. You'll get exactly our first impressions for all the the new spoilers that came out today during uh, the Watsi live stream. Ben and I hadn't read any of these cards really prior to this conversation. So you're getting our very first impressions and then we'll come back in after that and kind of give a little bit of a summary wrap up to uh, chat about the things that we, uh, we really liked. Yeah. Well, sort of, I mean, we, we got a subset of battles, which means yeah, that there's so like that's the so weirdest much part. they can do with them. So like maybe not all of them transform, maybe only sieges or like maybe not all of them like enter and have your opponent protect it. I don't know. Like, yeah, because well, well, that much is definitely true because the, the the like helper text for the sieges says as a siege enters, choose an opponent to protect it, not as a battle enters. Oh, OK, so that's definitely a siege thing. Yeah. So then so it's kind of an inverse planeswalker, right? Where then your opponent has to protect Basically. it. Uh, and then if you get it down to zero. No, what I'm not clear it on is into something. Well, actually, what it, if you, flip, like, it, it gets recast. Yeah. What if you wreck sage it? Is that kind of defeating it? It's not an enchantment. Oh, never mind. Uh, right, it's not. Like, there's nothing um, that says like destroy a battle. So <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's just a so new. You can't really interact with them. Permanent. You you have to attack them. Oh, well, okay. and it, it, about, they did say anything that says any target can target battles. Okay, so what about like exile target permanent? Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that that would work. That would work. So if you exile this, then hold on. Does that count as being defeated? I don't think so, but I'm going to have to read some gatherer text on this Oracle text on it. Huh? Cause like, Cause it, like even that helper text doesn't say when it hits zero loyalty or whatever that is. 
then it's defeated. It just says when it's defeated. So we need to see what the rules text for defeated means. Yeah. Does defeated literally mean like its health goes to zero? Is this even available right now? I didn't have time to watch the stream yet. I didn't watch the stream either, but uh, somebody in the discord made a comment about um, there's a name for what that is called. It's not health or loyalty or something. It's got a name. Um, Where was that? Somebody posted something. I think covert blue covert go blue or whatever his username is Mm -hmm. um, got like insider info from Watsy and he posted a video with a bunch of details about the set. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dorgan posted it in the discord. So um, all the battles in mom have the subtype siege. So all of them in, in, in March, the machine are going to be sieges. Mm. Um, they have, they have a number of defense counters on them equal to their defense, which is the bottom right value. Okay. Um, the battle subtypes provide rules for how it can be attacked. So I, that makes it sound like every battle, no matter the subtype is going to be attackable, but how it can be attacked or destroyed is, is dependent on the subtype. Um, let's see. Any target can target battles. Any damage dealt to a battle causes that many defense counters to be removed. When the last defense counter is removed, the battle is defeated and a triggered ability triggers. As this ability resolves, the battle's controller exiles it, then casts the back phase from exile without paying for it. The back so, phases are mostly permanents, but there are some sorceries. Oh, I didn't I didn't spot any sorcery ones. I don't think they've been leaked yet. Interesting. Or spoiled or whatever, however you want to phrase it. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, these open up a huge amount of design space. Definitely. They're also emphasizing creature combat. Which that's good, <laughs> like for for limited fans at least. Um, but they also have they clearly have multiplayer applicability, right? So like, how how would this work if so? It says it says you and others can attack it when it's defeated. Yeah, so in like multiplayer transform. Yeah, so like in commander or something. Um, only the person that you designate, only the opponent you designate to protect it, can block creatures that are attacking the battle. Mm. But any player can attack it. So if you can convince your friends to flip it, it's pretty easy to do in Commander then. You would think so, yeah. But like, will your friends want to help you flip into like a two mana four four flying trample attack deal two to any target? Hmm. It's like, hey, hey, buddy, mind helping me get that real quick? Yeah, there are some uh, there's some interesting ones and we haven't seen them all, but we've seen them across all rarities except common so far. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, sagas took a while to get down the common, right? I think it was only in um, so. in Neo that we started seeing like Okiba Reckoner Raid and that stuff. And those are still good. Yeah. I like that these also like they're not do nothings like they, they hit the board. They have some effect when they ETB and then mm-hmm. they turn into something later. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it how it, it, it affects your game plans, though, like you have to dedicate attack cycles to getting this thing to flip and your opponent then has to decide, do I block for this thing to prevent them from getting the other side of it? You know, what do I, what do I do in in terms of strategy that way? So it's definitely going to add a new dynamic to, to combat. Yeah. And like, let's say they made a burn one of these, right? Would you ever as a burn player, like, let's say it was like a, Oh, did they? The Tarkir one. It's uh, oh yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of does that. It's not going to, it's probably not going to be great and limited, but I'm talking about like straight up burn, burn. Like, yeah, if, if you if you're a burn player and like every card that you have, you really care about throwing three damage towards your opponent's face or something like a thermo alchemist style burn deck. Would yeah. you even spend the time and cards like 
on on one of these like it would have to have a huge upside for for that specific vector. yeah that flip side would have to be very very pointed to whatever vector you're playing it in that's something so some of the folks in the discord were talking about this i think gus was talking about it like these are going to be really weird for aggro decks because aggro decks typically don't want to take the time off to essentially gain your opponent life yeah yeah i mean this is giving your opponent the equivalent of i mean for invasion of tarkir five extra health it's like right. if you're willing to hit hit something for five extra you get a four four flying trample attack field two and that's clearly busted like two mana for that is is obviously an awesome rate but like well and it's a two mana deal to bought at at base oh like, right i ETBs forgot about it <laughs> right like it etbs and deals two to anything yeah minimum it might do it might do more than that but minimum it's a bad shock um yeah and what happens if an opponent just like can't or doesn't want to protect it like i guess effects that make like what about sleep like tap all your opponent's stuff like that makes these super easy to flip yep but then again things like but you do you have give, to take time uh, off to do it like you you're not you're not really applying pressure to your opponent when you're doing that you know you're, you're maybe taking a turn five five defense is not nothing like yeah it yeah. might only be two creatures or but it's still like a quarter of your opponent's life total so yeah um hmm I mean, think about like, let's say you're playing dragons against like a blue white control deck, right? And you play this on turn two and your opponent has like three wraths in hand. They're like, yes, got him. Like they're never flipping this, right? Well, that's so I don't know if you saw Invasion of Fiora. Um, It's it's four black black, four defense. And when it ETBs, you choose one or both. Destroy all legendary creatures, destroy all non-legendary creatures. So in a certain, I mean, that's more of a constructed card. But like if you build but, your whole deck to have only legends and then you just geez. destroy all non-legends, you can swing in. It only has four defense, so you can really kill it with just about anything. And then it flips into Marchesa, a 3-6 with Menace and Death Touch. And when it attacks, remove all counters from up to one target permanent. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you haven't been dealt damage since your last turn, you draw a card and you lose a life. So that also lets you Heck. flip battles. Yeah, that because just auto you, flips a battle or it does yep. like the um the what's it called? The vampire hex mage, right? That, that you can like kill a planeswalker or something with that. Yep. What the hell? <laughs> These are really it's good. Really good. I gotta look up the full spoiler. I I didn't get to see him at school today. Um are there any other specific ones we should talk about? Like um I figure we could just run through a few of the the big flashy ones. There's a there's a Teferi that's probably the worst Teferi I think that's been printed, but Oh, the night one. I did see that. Yeah. Um, well, like this one, Invasion of Dominaria flips into a Sarah Angel. That's cool. Yeah, the, the flavor text on that Sarah Angel is really good. But but that's one that's weird because it's like like who wants? I, I guess three mana draw gain four draw card is like fine. And but like aggro decks don't really want that, right? Like no, this taking, is like a mid range taking card. a couple turns off to do that. Yeah, like you need to play a two drop if you do this or have some kind of interaction up on two and then like hit their thing or else their two and three drops just get to like solidify the. But then again, if you're attacking. This this just adds a lot of layers of complexity that I, I think is a good thing, you know. Yeah, I feel like we probably should have saved all this for the episode, but I have been recording for the pre-show, so <laughs> we, we can just say a bunch of it again later. These are annoying to screen cap though. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah, they are both of these at once, and now the dimensions are all off. What, what do you think of the sideways art? Sideways art's cool. Any any sort of variation in art stuff is is fun to me. Yeah, some people were saying I'm curious. Like, bad. it doesn't seem like they're. I mean, they they look okay. Like, I don't think they look any worse than like sagas do. Yeah, like sagas. Some sagas look really good. Some don't. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's fine. Uh, and then we were getting some like multiverse legends cards. That look like I think that's what they're called. Um, oh, did you see the shark typhoon shark? Yeah, I love that. That's fun. Uh, Monastery mentor reprint. What? 
Yeah. Yeah, we got Monastery Mentor For back. For real? Yeah, we did. Did you see Zergo and Ojitai? Oh my god, what is this? I'm so happy with this card. I just couldn't picture Zergo riding Ojitai to begin with, but like <laughs> now you now you have. This is I great. saw the um I saw the Fibblethip thing. That's funny. Yeah, Borborgamos and Fibblethip. Yeah. Rankle and Torbran, Baral and Karizev. Let me see this. So, Hexproof as long as it ETV this turn, Dragons is coming out player. Battle or player, interesting. Yep. So you get to anticipate for free. Yep. And then you, and then you could, can you can bounce any of your dragons. Oh, it has dash. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it gives your dragons yeah. dash. Oh man. Okay. All right. That that that's pretty cool. Um. Let's see. Well, it, it gives itself dash too, which is cool because it it gives it oh, has yeah. hexproof when it ETBs if it's entered the battlefield that turn. So you can like re loop that. Oh man, guardian of Giraffer. That's a card. Oh, yeah. oh, three yeah. mana, three three flyer. And then it's a it's a flicker wisp too. Oh, yeah, that's good. good. That's, that's good. good. Now it doesn't have flash, so it's not just a strictly better resto. But we got Stoke the Flames reprint too. Cool. Oh my Quintorius god. Quintorius was printed not as a planeswalker, unless we're gonna get a version of Quintorius that's also a planeswalker. Yeah, I don't know about that. Did you read that story? The strict. I haven't one? read any of them yet. <laughs> uh, then we, it's probably for the best that we're de-emphasizing Flavor Town today. I think what you suggested a while back, where we could just like Flavor Town like ultimate Phyrexian invasion flavor town next cycle. Uh, because to be honest, the flavor in this set specifically wasn't great. <laughs> it's just Phyrexian. For mom know? or for one? For mom. Oh, sorry, for one, for one. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I thought the stuff for mom sounds like it's gonna. It's pretty crazy. Oh, no. Borborygmos and Fibblethip? Like, come yeah. on. We, <laughs> we could spend the whole episode just talking about the melds. But the way the, um, spoiler listener, uh, the way the Strixhaven one ends you know how there were like the five head kids of each um, like Strixhaven yeah. house. There was like the the one for each uh, that uncommon. They each like they all banded together. Lily sent them to go like because they're like the I don't know they're like the Harry Potters of their <laughs> of their houses. Yeah. They're like the head kid. Uh, she was like, all right, you five. Um, there's like an ancient spell deep within the biblioplex. If you can find it, it might be able to activate a defense system or something. So they go and they fight the professors and all that good stuff. Uh, and as they're chanting the spell, it was the spell that made uh, Strixhaven. It, it, like they, they found that it was just stored in the biblioplex. So it required each of the five houses, like for each of the five lore dragons that, that like the elder dragons that founded it. Uh, so they're like chanting it, uh, the spell, and it's like rewriting Strixhaven back to its original form. So like as they're, they're reading out, like this is how the sky looks like. This is what the ground and the buildings look like. And like they're re-enchanting uh, and like deleting any Phyrexians that are in the way. So it's a pretty cool huh. thing, except um, some Phyrexianized professor uh, comes in and like smacks up one of them. I think D- Dina, one of the blue red ones comes in and like uh, messes up Rutha and like it's like Rutha still sloppy as always. And is just like beating her up. Um, Rutha like falls off the spell. At this, they were like hovering at this point. Uh, Naturally. Quint- Quintorius takes over and uh, instead of reading both, just channels pure magic into both of them. Uh, and then just like the whole thing goes up in a, in a puff and it works. It like pushes the Phyrexians back a bit. Like the, the world tree retracts a little bit um, or the invasion tree retracts a little bit. Uh, but then Quintorius is gone and they said he disappeared in a huge flash of light. So... 
maybe we'll see him show up on like Ixalan or something. It was pretty clearly a spark ignition. Uh, and they even said it like when they said what happened, Lily was like, oh man, we're probably not going to find him on this plane. <laughs> and and yeah. then someone was like, Lily, what, uh, Professor Vest, what are you eating? And she was like, nothing, nothing. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> it it's pretty heavily hinted that he's, he's a planeswalker, but I, I guess they decided to give him like a cool... I don't know, like an actual good creature card before making him a walker. Yeah, well, that's so so that's interesting to hear, too, because um, there are a lot of speculations. I think the prof did like a ton of speculation on this, too, was just that like after or or with with March of the Machine, we were basically going to not see planeswalkers anymore. There'd be just like this eternally exposed multiverse that anybody could move from plane to plane. Mm. It would be kind of lame if they were like, hey, you get a spark. And by the way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now seeing um, Teferi on the back of a battle, like they just opened yeah. up this huge new design space for permanence. I don't think Planeswalkers are going away and that that's fine. You know? Yeah. It does make me question like what are they going to totally reverse the fact that the world tree did the world tree thing or the invasion tree did the invasion tree thing? Or are, they, are we going to go back to secluded multiverse they're secluded planes, or are they still going to have some kind of interconnection after the fact? They didn't answer that in the story. Um, I don't know if you've read the well, story. I would imagine for, Aftermath for is going to answer that in some shape, but yeah, no, probably. I haven't read any of the stories yet for Mom at all. Okay, I, I don't want to spoil it because they're actually fantastic. Like they're they're probably yeah, some of the best stuff good. we've had. Um, I'll just let you read them, and and uh, they I are. I can't remember really who it was. Good. Somebody said that they make they these this set of stories entirely makes up for how bad the War of the Spark one was. Oh yeah, like the the, um, the novel. Uh, th there are some pretty gruesome kills, like planeswalker on planeswalker fatalities. Um, nice. I, I think there's one in particular you'll find both awesome and terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, s someone, a certain planeswalker builds a contraption that like boils people's blood when it touches them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is still pretty effective against Phyrexians, including planeswalkers. Uh, nice. Oh, we got a... Um, Pelucranos. <laughs> What's yeah, he dude. doing here? Wait, I thought he died. Good old Polly. That's why he's Polly reborn. <laughs> Wait, so he goes, so he's reborn and then he gets turned into a Phyrexian and then he gets immediately, Yeah, he immediately gets gone. Oh my God, what a meme. This guy can't catch a break. But dude, it's a three mana four or five with reach. <laughs> like what? What? All right. All right. And, then it, and then it worm coil engines on the backside. What the hell? <laughs> and it makes a, it's a six, six. It's a literal, oh my God, that's nuts. All right, that's really cool. That that's really cool. I, I'll give them that one. They turned Pelucranos into a worm coil engine. That that's pretty sick. And like, it yeah. looks like Elishnorn completed it, so it has lifelink. All right, that that is that is just crushing Flavor Town. Like, yeah, yeah, so good. Oh, and, and it's um, it's called Pelucranos Engine of Ruin too. By the way, they, they threw oh my engine. god, they're not even. <laughs> okay, of course it is. Let me see. Yeah, it is. All right, that makes sense. Man, that's cool. Uh, Elishnorn, I saw. Did you see the Atali? The new Atali is really cool. Seven mana, seven, seven trample. ATV, free cast, two non lands. Nine and a Phyrexian green. Yeah, but look what he does. Okay, let's see. Primal sickness. All right, coming with the sickness. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a Blightsteel Colossus. Basically, I don't love that they Jeez. didn't just give this thing toxic, but <laughs> toxic 11. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, like, that's that's what it is. They just wrote it out with more words, so they didn't use a keyword, but. Huh. Huh. Yeah, yeah. that's a card. Um, yeah. This set is huge. Like, are two yeah, drops even first. relevant? I saw we got a, a Halo Forger. Snapcaster is just not that good anymore. Ha Halo Forager is just like. Where's sorry, Halo Snapcaster. For? You're going to like this one. I'm trying to find it. 
Oh, a little down. It's a blue black uncommon. Oh, right, right. Yes. Well, I mean, it's it's a little more expensive, but yeah. It's also a three mana three one flyer. Uh, it doesn't yeah. work with counter spells or like instants at, on their opponent's turn, right? But like, uh, yeah. Still, that's that's yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah. What is Ergamon? Yeah, so that's a plane that I wasn't familiar with. I think all the other ones. Oh, the other one that I didn't know was um, Tolvada. Okay, so Ergamon. Do we have the backside for it? I haven't seen the backside, but I don't know if it wasn't spoiled or if Magic Spoiler just hasn't updated. Yeah, I don't see it on there. Uh, we have Ix, Zendikar. What, what other one were you saying? Tolvada. It's a black-white battle that flips into an enchantment. Tolvada. Oh, hold on. I got to see this Ravnica one, too. Um, Ravnica oh, so cool. Fiora. Fiora is where um, Conspiracy takes place, right? Yeah. So that one. Oh, oh, I see Marchesa on the back. Okay. Uh, and then the other one, Tolvada. And the backside didn't help me figure out what this was either because it's it's Northern Lights, but ghosts. Yeah, basically. Some Death Eaters coming in here. Uh, yes, yeah, so the front side. Honestly, like I'm, I'm looking at a lot of these and these just look like draft trap cube cards. Like so many of these are yeah. going to be draft trap cube cards. I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. What does Ravnica do? Ravnica is fun. Colorless. Excel target on that. So it hits a colorless or a mono colored card or, or a three color, color or four color or five color. <laughs> It's like, all right, if you're in a guild, you're safe. Okay, that's cool. Uh, and then Guild Pact Paragon. I have six cards of Iron. Okay, so it does Guild Pact stuff. All right. Yep. We get it. You're Ravnica. Huh. That's a mythic, though. I mean, it is a generic, like, exile pretty much that's anything. True. That's true. You have to get pretty unlucky to, to not have a good target for that. But then again, yeah. if your opponent played a Monastery Mentor, then, like, <laughs> is, is five mana exile anything even good? Right. This set seems nuts. Oh, there are like, so uh, many. I don't know. If, did you see the incubate uh, mechanic? Yeah. Yeah, that's why. There are so, so many cards that do that. Um, so it looks like... So it's a token that transforms on the backside, and then so you incubate X, or incubate two, or like incubate some number. Right. And then you can flip it for two you mana. Get a, yeah, so you'll get a, you get a token that's an artifact hmm. that has so many... Has X counters on it. Whatever the incubate number was, it gets that many counters. And then you yeah. can pay two mana and flip it. They're kind of like morph creatures pay two mana and flip it and it becomes a zero zero phyrexian with those counters on it so it's like a germ but, almost. but yeah kind of but uh there are a bunch of cards like the new the new glissa um just as incubate two twice there are a bunch of cards that say like do it twice or three times or hmm. oh the back she also flips Storm. them all <laughs> sure why glissa. not transform all oh, so she flips them tokens. oh all from like the sacks to the full thing yeah that seems good uh, i was looking at ellis norm so with her, it's like a like a Norrin's Annex type thing where it like four mana, three, five vigilance with upside already right. a banger playable. But then sack yeah. three creatures, which is big. But then you get incubate two five times and then yeah. flip them all into then two transform threes. them all <laughs> and then give them all one one in double strike. Like, yep. Then blow then everything, everything else up. <laughs> okay, kill everything else insane. except that's those insane. and get Elishnorn back. <laughs> that's insane. But then you can just flip. Then you can just sack yes. three of them. Yes. That's so busted. She loops really well with herself. Yeah. We I mean, it's seen... a three turn delay. So I guess it's it, there's time to mess it up. But yeah. This set just looks ridiculous. This is nuts. Like, yeah, yeah they're going balls of the wall with this one. Yeah. Did you see the Boonbringer Valkyrie? Oh, is that the um, rare Bane, Bane Slayer? Slayer? <laughs> so, yep. so here's the thing. When, when, when there's a rare Bane Slayer, to me, that doesn't seem like a mistake. 
That seems like, oh, no, that's the average rare is a Baneslayer <laughs> with upside, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a five mana, four, four flying first strike lifelink that you can, it, it ETBs, you can put a counter on it or anything else. And if you put the counter on something else, it gains flying first strike and lifelink. So you t- turn something else into a baby Baneslayer for yeah, it. Or yeah. I say baby Baneslayer, but was it one of the spoiled cards like a nine mana, 12, 12 trample, like dinosaur vampire? There's, an, I mean, you could just turn Yargle and Multani in eighteen six <laughs> into a nineteen seven flying first strike lifelink. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh man, I mean, they must just be able. They must be putting like fatal push in this set or something, right? Or like some They're, sort of unconditional removal. Well, they put. Um, the one we saw spoiled so far, and mind you, this is a common, so we haven't seen the uncommon removal yet, but that's mirrored in Avenge. That's a, it's just black for an instant. This is a destroy target creature that was dealt damage this turn. Draw a card. So okay. It's one I mana mean, that's, destroy anything, but it has, to have been, it has to have been damaged. Uh, I mean, that, that, that pairs well with Red Burn to like take down a yeah. huge thing or with little creatures. I guess it helps your small stuff match up better against the big stuff. Man. Yeah. Oh, uh, I like the art on mirrored and Avenged. It's pretty accurate to the story. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. I, well, that's the card I was just talking about. Oh, oh, it's oh. Be- the art's beautiful. Yeah. Elspeth Smite is, uh, I, I said at one point, like, I hope Elspeth gets her, like, from the top ropes moment. She absolutely yeah, does. she got like, it. Like, in she the story, it, it's yeah. super sick. Uh, the trailer does a pretty good job, but in the story, it's it's better. So anyway, thanks, Ben and Zach, from the past. That was very enlightening, and I'm sure better edited than <laughs> what our actual conversation sounded like, which involved a lot of yelling and question marks and trying to figure out what certain things like can you exile one of these or for, for a second i thought you could wreck stage one of these things but i guess they'll print one of those eventually uh yeah so battles uh, and right now our subtype of siege very interested in seeing where this goes this really opens up some cool design space uh i think limited players are going to be eating good with these I, I mean these seem like they're costed effectively for limited i'm sure they'll push a couple right the one that's blue white that makes like x22 tokens that flips into a fairy that lords the tokens yeah that one's gonna win games obviously but i think a lot of these are gonna wind up in the draft shaft cube like these are just really interesting cards and opens up a huge new dimension for the designers so um very excited to see where these go and i think they had limited players in mind while making these yeah, one thing that I'm kind of interested in this we didn't talk about this, and this is a super minor point, but my like I don't know my brain gravitates to these kinds of things. The cards have the same set symbol, uh, se- sorry, the same same set number um, for both the front and back half. I don't remember if flip cards always have that or not, but uh, kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see also in the future like what other types of battles we get. I think making this a subtype and not just having like battle be a card type mm-hmm. by itself is uh is going to be great because they, they can do all sorts of different stuff with these going forward i would like to see them distinguish them from enchantments maybe a little more uh it's not like it's a uh, it doesn't visually look that different you know I, I, besides being sideways i guess the joke it's is sideways. that uh, <laughs> uh, the way i'm seeing it is that like the, the way it's you hold it in your hand and then cast it like let's say you're holding one and you put it on your left side of the table it's almost like a quote-unquote world enchantment where then both players can kind of like right. look to the side and see what it does uh, because it does actually matter. Your opponent's going to need to know what this thing does to need to know how badly they need to defend it. So uh, very excited to see where these go. And yeah. really it's going to be hard to judge these too well without just getting some gameplay in. Yeah. And I'm curious how they're going to put them in arena because uh, I mean, it's probably just going to look like an emblem or something on the side of the field, but mm-hmm. the, the UI, I'm curious what they're going to do for that design wise. We're going to obviously cover like all of the mechanics and 
archetypes and and go through the vector signposts and all those types of things in our in our format breakdown episode. But we wanted to give you guys a, a bit of an inside look at our first impressions on some of these cards. So that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Definitely jump into the Discord if you're not already in there with these spoilers going off. Like people are going crazy. We're talking about them in Discord and having a great time about it. So check that out. We also just added a lore channel. I may rename that to Vorthos or something. I'm not sure mm-hmm. yet, but um, it was asked to get a lore channel so folks can talk about the lore without worrying about spoiling stuff for people who aren't interested. So uh, if you're interested in talking about the lore and and more of the the Vorthos or or Flavor Town kind of stuff, um, definitely jump into that channel as well. The link to that to the Discord is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. And like I said, you can find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week. Enjoy the open. All right, so I've got a uh, got an interesting discourse sign-off here for us. Are you familiar with the internet sensation YouTuber altruist Mr. Beast? Of course. So this guy has caused his fair share of of d- discourse with a capital D. Um, uh, let, let, let's leave a lot of that to the side and focus in on one particular instance that's been going around the internet recently. Uh, Mr. Beast tipped a, a server, uh, a waitress uh, at some like shop he was at, uh, a car. And that's... You know, that's a fun concept, okay. right? He just kind of tipped this girl like the keys to a car. And that's pretty on brand for him, right? Sure. So there's some implications to that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So here's where it gets a little more complicated. Uh, here's a picture of the car. Uh, I'm linking it to Zach. A lot of you have probably already seen this. You might notice a logo on the side there. Okay. Yes, I see the car. Yeah. Right. So Feastables, this is his new brand of, I think, chocolate bar or some kind of food thing, uh, a, a Mr. Beast food brand. I don't know. Do you know more about this than I do? No, I know nothing about it. But I mean, he has Mr. Beast burgers or whatever they're called. So it doesn't surprise me that he's expanded into another food product. The only other thing I know about this was the memes I saw going around when he tweeted asking people to uh, go into Walmarts and fix the Feastables displays uh, and like make sure they looked nice so they sold a lot. And that was... That's interesting, you know, to to be a huge famous YouTuber and like ask people to, again, a huge famous YouTuber known for giving out a ton of money, which, you know, objectively a good thing that can often help people's lives. Right. But uh, asking people to like go into their local Walmarts and like, (laughs) I don't know, fix up his displays. It just came across as goofy. Anyway, this card that he gave. Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that, but okay. Yeah. Uh, Like, I guess it's goofy. This card that he gave her. Uh, it has the huge Feastables logo on the side. Uh, my first question, would you drive this car if given to you? Would I drive it? Yeah, like, as your everyday car. Uh, I guess that would depend on my financial situation. If I absolutely needed a car, yeah, I'd drive it. Why not? Given the option between this and like your existing car. No, probably not. Now given the choice between this and the, an identical car that didn't have the Feastables logo. No, of course not. Yeah. So there's maybe some implications to giving someone a car that's going to act as free advertising for you. Whatever. It's a car, right? To someone that doesn't have it, it's still a car. And depending on your financial situation, this could be, again, objectively good. But like many of Mr. Beast's other past controversies, um, this is where it gets weird again. Uh, Apparently, when you give someone a car... Now, this is maybe an area you might know, again, know more about than I do. Uh, they will still have to pay taxes on that car, correct? They do. Um, te- well, it depends. It depends. Technically, uh, there is there is also such thing as a gift tax. Mm. Um, 
which is applied to cash even. Like if I just handed you money, you would legally have to pay a gift tax on the money that I've given you if it's over a certain amount. Interesting. And so there, there's that too. I don't know if the gift tax applies to vehicles, but I do know if you give somebody a car, they have to pay taxes on it. So I don't know if, if, if it was like a cheap enough car, if they wouldn't have to pay taxes mm. on it. But yes, there is, there's tax involved there, which is why most giveaways that like, you know, you do, you enter a sweepstakes to win a car. A lot of people get really, really furious at them because they don't realize that once I've won this car, I now owe thousands of dollars in taxes for this $80,000 car. Uh-huh. I just won. So I saw an estimate online that the taxes on this car would be around $5,000, um, which for the server, it sounded like might actually be a pretty significant financial hardship, right? Like depending on their situation, which again, we don't know uh, sure. context wise. So um, wh- wh- where do we rate this move? Genius or grifter? <laughs> well, so here's here's another thing, though. Here's another thing which likely wasn't mentioned regardless. Knowing Mr. Beast's, Mr. Beast's previous philanthropic endeavors, I wouldn't be surprised if he also just paid that tax for her. That's true. Yeah. That, that could entirely so happen. So that very well could be the case. The the advertising thing I think is kind of funny. Like he's giving away a car. He has, he does run a business. If she wants to, she could paint it, you know, like it's, or wrap it or whatever. I mean, there is a cost associated with that too, but she also doesn't have to keep the car. She could sell it and just use the cash to do whatever she That's wants true. with it. So I don't really see any issue with the, with the fact that he put ad, advertising on it. That also probably gives him like tax write-off things as a business, being able to do that certain expenses because it's yeah so like there's all that kind of stuff to consider i think it's a hilarious move i think it's funny i probably would have just given her cash <laughs> but then you don't get the publicity around this which is likely what he was going for when he did it in the first and place. it definitely worked right uh yeah i mean hopefully knowing that he is kind of known for just giving out huge chunks of cash if like paying the taxes on this would end up being like a huge detriment to this person hopefully he would just like foot it um but this got me thinking. This is an awful lot like casting a siege battle, isn't it? Think about it. Think is about it? it. You choose an opponent under whose control it enters, right? They have to decide to protect it. They no, they don't gain control of it. Oh, okay. okay they don't okay. gain control of it. It's still your permanent. They just have to protect okay. it if they want to. And then they get to decide, all right, was this a good thing that you've given me? Like, do I want to protect this or not? Like, how good is this actually? <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? All right. I see where you're going with this, but I think you're stretching things a little bit. Maybe I have a little more sleep deprivation. I appreciate the crossover, though. (laughs) I appreciate the crossover.